Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, March 8, 2018 and this is a 10 a.m. Eastern Time big book study meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 34, paragraph 3, which starts with how then shall we help our readers determine and then we're going to read through two paragraphs in, on page 35 with the, sec, the first paragraph of what is he thinking. Today's readers are Leslie M. for the 12 Steps, Libby E. for the 12 Traditions. Reading the text today would be Stephanie L., Kathy Jo P., and Mary H. Thank you for that. The reference numbers, which will be your share ID numbers for this meeting yesterday which would have been Wednesday, March 7th, 2018, 10 a.m., is 11133, 11,133. And then the share ID for this morning, 7 a.m. meeting, which echoes this particular meeting as well, that share ID for Thursday, March 8th, 7 a.m., is 11135, 11,135. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Leslie M. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning, Melanie. This is Leslie M. I want to thank you for your service, and here are the 12 steps. Um, I'm Leslie M., uh, a compulsive overeater from Long Island, New York. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, 
continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and I pass. Thank you very much, Leslie M. And now I would like, pardon me, and now I'd like to ask Libby E. to please read the 12 traditions. Thank you, Melanie. Good morning. I'm Libby E., covered compulsive eater in New York. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Libby Eve. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your share be directly linked to what was read. We are reading what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one again to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book on page 34, paragraph 3, reading through two paragraphs. And I will be asking Stephanie L. to begin our study by reading both paragraphs. 
Well, thanks, Melanie. Thanks for your service. And good morning, everyone. This is Stephanie L. And I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Southern California. How then shall we help our readers determine to their own satisfaction whether they are one of us? The experiment of quitting for a period of time will be helpful, but we think we can render an even greater service to alcoholic sufferers and perhaps to the medical fraternity. So we shall describe some of the mental states that precede a relapse into drinking, for obviously this is the crux of the problem. What sort of thinking dominates an alcoholic who repeats time after time the desperate experiment of the first drink? Friends who have reasoned with him after a spree, which has brought him to the point of divorce or bankruptcy, are mystified when he walks directly into a saloon. Why does he? Of what is he thinking? And um, I can tell you from my own experience that um, I don't know quite often the times that I picked up, especially when I relapsed. I just knew that I was in the midst of this crazy obsession and I had to have the food. I had to have whatever item I was obsessing over or I thought I was going to die. You know, my thinking, my thinking is the problem. It's the obsession of the mind. And, you know, I love this part of the book because it really helped me understand that this is not a moral issue. I have a disease. I have a thinking problem. I have an obsession of the body. Or I'm sorry, an obsession of the mind um, and an allergy of the body. And um, which I cannot fight on my own willpower. I cannot fight it alone. I need a, a power greater than me um, to fight this fight for me. And after having long periods of time um, of recovery, you know, that first sentence, what sort of thinking dominates an alcoholic who repeats time after time the first or that desperate experiment? And after having periods of recovery, for me to think it was going to be different or, you know, um, this is fine, it's sugar-free, or, um, you know, I'm, I'm okay now, I have, you know, I understand um, much better um, about, you know, this, this problem, and it's not going to hurt me, it's not going to burn, it's like putting my hand on the stove, you know, again, um, and it is a desperate experiment, you know, it'll be different, I know it'll be different this time, and then I pick up again, and I'm off to the races and it's, it's like, what just happened? You know, how did I get here again? Um, it really is heartbreaking. Um, but the good news and the good news in this book is that there is a solution and I live in the solution today and I don't have to believe, you know, um, those lies that tell me it will be different this time. Um, and I have a higher power who, you know, has helped me, um, stay out of that crazy thinking and um, those bright ideas. And I'm so very, very grateful for that. So um, thank you. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Stephanie L. We are studying now. Our focus study today is on page 34, paragraph 3, reading through two paragraphs, ending with, of what is he thinking on page 35. I'm going to open up the lines now for anybody else that would like to make comment of their experience on those two paragraphs. Gina R. Julie Sylvia, B. Sylvia F. Okay, let's Chevy. see what I have. So you all know that you that I heard you. I have Ginger, I have Chevy, I have Julie, and I have Sylvia. I think it was Gina, Mel. Did I say Julie? And, uh, and no, you I said, said Ginger. Ginger. I? Gotcha. Thanks. Yep, you're right. That's what I get for abbreviating. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, anybody else? 
Marcy D. Okay, gotcha, Marcy. Okay, let's get going. We have Gina, Chevy, Julie, Sylvia, and Marcy. Good morning. Sorry about um, that, Gina. One more, Debbie, Debbie K. Debbie K. Okay. Mary H. We're going to stop. We're going to stop so I can go ahead and let Gina go so I don't have to keep cutting her off. Okay, Gina, you go. Okay, thank you so much, Mel, and everybody. Um, Welcome. This is Gina R., gratefully recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, living in Green Valley, Arizona. Um, What sort of thinking dominates an alcoholic who repeats time after time the desperate experiment of the first drink? For me, after getting into this book and practicing this and doing it over and over and over, I what I know now is that I was in what that place a lot of people call you don't know what you don't know or unconscious ignorance. I just I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, but there were some things that I did know, and I kept doing it anyway. And so I think there, for me, there was also some defiance. Um, I just, there's a part of me that just doesn't want to do what I know I need to do in order to um, help myself. And that is where the spiritual solution comes in for me. So after putting down my alcoholic foods, identifying those and putting them down, I cleared the channel so that I could actually have clear thoughts and that I could actually hear and receive the messages from my higher power. And I'm not saying that I didn't ever receive those messages before when I was in the food, but I didn't care. I really didn't care. And I would um, engage in the, either the behavior or the, the food activity anyway. The difference for me now is, and I understand crystal clear is putting that food down opens up that channel so that I can actually feel my feelings and not have to run from them. They are my teachers today and I embrace all of them. And the things that I used to um, not want to deal with the quote unquote negative feelings. Now I receive those. I accept those. I let them be my teacher and because I'm doing that, I'm actually able to experience now the quote-unquote positive feelings, happiness, joy, um, being silly, having a light spirit. I could never do that before. So I am so glad we are, um, that we practice reading these paragraphs over and over and over, and we never tire of them. And new messaging comes out for me every time I do it. And so glad to be doing this shoulder-to-shoulder with everybody and Appreciate you and really want to do a shout out to the newcomer. Keep coming back, put the food down, and see what can happen for you. Bye. That's it. Thank you, Gina R. Chevy K, you're next, and then Julie EB, you'll come in after Chevy. Come on in. Good morning. This is Chevy K. Um, thank you, everyone, for your service and for your inspiration on a daily basis. Um, I wanted to focus my share on. So we shall describe some of the mental states that precede a relapse into drinking, for obviously this is the crux of my problem. And yes, my mental states were the crux of the problem. And notice how states is plural, not singular. 
and I had an array of mental states, different mental states that could drive to the food. And your mental states could be different from mine. Each person's individual situation is unique, but the end result is the same, the end result being that we end up face down in the food. And I made a list that of just a few of my own personal mental states that would run me back into the food, and, and I just wanted to share them. Um, so the first one, number one, I feel happy, so I need to eat. It will only add to the happiness. Two, I feel intense loneliness. I need to eat. Food is my friend. Three, I feel less than or rejected. Food will most certainly heal this and numb the insecurities. Four, I feel completely overwhelmed. Food will assist me in creating order. Five, I feel intense anger and resentment. I'm entitled to some treats. I deserve escape. Six, I feel fearful. Food will take care of me more effectively than God can. Seven, I feel sad or I have other emotional pain that I'm dealing with. Food will soothe the wounds. Eight, all else is failing, so I might as well eat. Nine, how will I cope without food? If you had my challenges, you would eat too. So these are just a few drops in the bucket amongst the many mental states and the array of thoughts and feelings that have driven me into the food, and I still struggle with them. They still try to get the better and talk me back into failure. But thankfully, with this 12-step program practiced on a daily basis, and with my precious God who has sent all of you into my life, I have gotten relief from the food. I've gotten a daily reprieve. And I just want to share that um, this past Sunday uh, was a really emotional joining day for me. I struggled a lot, and um, I did a lot of work around it. And then Monday morning, seemingly out of nowhere, I received a text from a beautiful, dear fellow who was literally my angel. And I truly believe this was a message from God, and it read from her, um, quote, holding you in prayer today. May all of the pain you've ever experienced be sown into a field of faith and multiply and grow into manifold promise, end quote. So beautiful, and thank you again, my dear fellow, who sent this to me and thought of me um, and for your service. And I just wanted to express that this is program. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Chevy. Julie E.B., you're next, and then Sylvia, you'll come behind. Hi, this is Julie E.B., gratefully recovered in Colorado, and so blessed to be on the line and, and thankful for all those who are in service day in, day out, in all sorts of ways in this program. Um, what was he thinking? The thoughts dominated him. Um, yeah, so the thoughts used to be food, always the food. And uh, where would I get the food? How much food? When would I be by myself or get relief uh, for the food? Uh, but then as I became entirely abstinent and um, and put down the food, uh, then uh, I began to actually realize the thinking that was driving all of this as my sponsor and I uh, moved through the steps. And then I realized what the thoughts were really about. They were really about myself um, and my character defects, self-centered, self-reliant, self-delusional, self-pitying, self-seeking, 
And so, um, yeah, I realized, especially for me, uh, the self-pity, and and these would be, uh, there's a great line in the big book, not for me, the grouch or the brainstorm. I would get a brainstorm of these thoughts. They would cycle over and over and over again. Um, and, and, uh, and, and then I developed a term, the talk storm, where I'd go and talk to other people about them over and over again, rehearsing my self-pity, uh, my self-centered thinking, my self-reliant thinking. Uh, and then a miracle happened as I worked through the steps. Uh, and as I moved uh, into step seven, I made a bookmark, as someone suggested, and, and followed a special edition and, and sat for a little bit with my defects and as I was starting step eight. And so now I just have my bookmark in every day. Please, God, stop me from being self-centered. Teach me to think of others' needs and work for them. Please, God, stop me from being self-reliant. Teach me to be God-reliant, especially with fear. Please, God, stop me from being self-delusional. Teach me to be honest. Please, God, stop me from being self-pity. Teach me to be grateful. Dear God, please stop me from self-seeking and teach me altruism, which is giving without expectation of return, something that never occurred to me. So I do believe the thinking drives the action, and I'm just so grateful today that my higher power is teaching me new ways of thinking uh, and acting, and that, uh, and that the food obsession is gone, and there is hope for the newcomer. Uh, but then as the layers peel away, uh, in everyday, often difficult interactions, this thinking and action changes. Thank you very much. Thank you, Julie E.B. Sylvia, you're next, and then Marcy will come after you. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, visionaries. This is Sylvia F., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in San Francisco Bay. And um, so we shall describe some of the mental states that precede a lapse into drinking. And, you know, I know, as many of you do, that um, it's by the time I'm eating whatever I'm eating, that's like the last step into relapse. And so the mental states that proceed into relapse, and so many people talk about, you know, what sort of thinking dominates an alcoholic who repeats time after time. And I hear people talking about their feelings And I just wanted to describe what it's like for me. I'm recovered, but it doesn't mean that I am not going to have moments where the obsession comes back up. Um, It it doesn't, you know, we're not promised that we're going to put the food down and it's never, never going to come to mind again. It just says that we're going to have a, a set of tools, a higher power, a fellowship, in order to find our grounding and to find get back uh, in our lane towards our, our spiritual solution. And so what happens for me is I don't have a feeling. I have a sensation, and the sensation is I need to eat something. That, you know, and I've been in program for a long time, and it doesn't, certainly I can feel my feelings sometimes way more than I used to feel my feelings. And that is a miracle. But my disease was about my not being able to handle my feelings. And so I just, so what happened is my brain took a shortcut and it says, you know, anything happens. 
and the next thought would be potato chip or whatever. And so um, even in the past couple of days, I was in an unusual experience and, um, you know, out of my normal uh, life. And I could still feel that sensation of something salty crunchy was going to have to happen now or, you know, I, I had no other feeling. And so if you're a newcomer or in relapse, what I would say is, is that when I have the feeling, that's when I know to work the steps, go to God. It just means that I'm disconnected and, um, and it doesn't mean that I have to act on it. And it doesn't mean that I get a white knuckle. It just means that a little life happened and I'm uncomfortable and that I'm going to be okay. Um, and the last thing I'll say is uh, I heard on the lines that whatever food uh, I leave on the table as an option, if it's a problematic food, will always be my first option. I really needed to hear that. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Sylvia F. Marcy D., you're next, and then Debbie K., you'll come up after. Hi, I'm Marcy D. from the San Francisco Bay Area, a recovering compulsive overeater and um, working diligently to becoming recovered. Um, I feel like I'm pouting the last speaker, but I, by the time... I've been doing this since I'm four years old and I'm 78. That's a whole lot of years. And the only times I haven't been in the food are those moments, and some of them were years, where my life was going just fine. Oh, I had this issue or that issue, but essentially I was happy and had a sense of, a sense of well-being. But it was always a well-being based on things. I was married, or I had a boyfriend, or my daughter was born, or it was my birthday, or something like that. It was always dependent upon outside issues. And what happens to me is by the time I reach for the food, um, there is no me. I absolutely have no me. I've dissociated. I've gone into the fog of war. I'm in trance, and thinking back as to what happens right before that is I'm uncomfortable. I mean, I'm not uncomfortable. My neck hurts. I'm not uncomfortable. I have a hangnail. There's some kind of feeling that I never, ever learned how to deal with as a child. I just didn't know what to do, so as a child, I started eating. So I go to the familiar. The familiar is a quick fix food. And it just, that's just, I don't ever remember eating because I'm happy. I don't ever, I just don't. I just, looking back, it was always some feeling that was so uncomfortable. And I had no self-soother. I had no self-soothing mechanism. And what I've gotten out of program is the way I so soon is not to do it myself. That's how I've been learning how to self-soothe. You know, I ask God, please help me. Because a fellow in program is not always available 
when I have these uncomfortable feelings, which occur mostly at night. So uh, I give a shout-out and thank you to Vision, to who's helping me so much learn a reliance on a power greater than myself. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Marcy D. Debbie Kay, you're next. And I think I might have heard someone by the name of Mary H., if that's possible, if you want to queue up after Debbie. Good morning, Debbie. Star one. Okay, we'll move over then to see if we did. I did hear Mary H. I, I'm sorry. I'm not new at this. This is Mary H. <laughs> hi, hi. Did I, I hear? I heard you earlier. Yeah, I get um, mixed up with the with the with the uh, buttons. So. Star one. Well, we're ready to hear your share. Are you ready? Well, I. Yeah, I um we'll give you three minutes. I was so touched by what the last reader said because I had a, an incident um where I usually it's a choice when I when I um decide to overeat and and I I've, I've been struggling uh with my abstinence. So that yesterday I experienced something that was so exactly what you said about an uncomfortable dissociative feeling. It it was a it was a, a physical feeling, and I I you know I I can could feel my brain shutting down and just me grabbing anything, even though I wasn't hungry. And um, I that's the first time I was able to isolate and identify that reaction to food. So I'm so grateful for what was shared this morning uh, because. It it helps me um, understand something that I wasn't paying any attention to. Uh, I, I'd had something occur that I thought I was handling, giving it to God, bless them, you know, change me, and it was it wasn't. I I don't think I was allowing myself to feel the feeling. So anyway, I love this study and I love this program. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. Thanks, Mary H. This is Debbie like Kay. I'm still here. Oh, okay. Well, well, would you like to take I, I, I have managed to mute myself, so I wanted to stick my voice in to make sure well, I didn't get go. this time. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Got your three. Okay, great. Um, Debbie Kay, I'm a compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Um, and this is the first mo- uh, phone meeting I've ever called into. And it's this has just been, this is really wonderful. I've been in LA for about six months. And um, I I totally related to the the two to all actually everything everybody's been saying. Um, but I too have been suffering from from this illness my whole life. And I realize working with the sponsor, I finally have twenty eight days of abstinence, which is the most I've had in my entire life, even from before being in OA. Um, and I realized that what has, what my thinking has always been, I've been driven by fear. And um, 
fear of abandonment, fear everything, every every possible fear. And there's always been the sense of, well, okay, if you have to you get you have to pick up the food again, but it'll be the very, very last time. And of course there never is a last time. And it's really only been the last month ish that I was able to really let uh, let go of the fear and and accept having a higher power that's allowed me to get this far. And I just wanted to thank everybody for their shares and for their service because it really made me feel great. That's it. I pass. Thank you, Debbie Kay. Stick around to the end of the meeting, if you would. That's a chance for you to give your information if you'd like to. We have time for more folks to comment on the paragraphs. Page 34, paragraph 3, reading through two paragraphs. Deborah P. Stephanie A. Jen A. Perry C. B. Okay, let's see what I have here. Okay, I got that. Let me repeat back what I have got so you guys can just listen for just a moment So to be sure I have you. I have Polly B, I have Deborah P, I have Stephanie, I didn't get your um, initial of your last name, Jen A, and Terry C. It's probably all that we have time for, so let's check that out first. I want to remind people that we're on the line, that we're on page 34, paragraph 3, and then 35, paragraph 1, so that you can focus your comments on those two paragraphs today for our study. And, Polly, go ahead. Thank you, Melanie. Can I be heard? Mm-hmm. Thank you for your service. Thank you, everyone on the line. And today seems like an amazing um, series of paragraphs and shares and um, and all of all the people um, spoken with at their first meeting and that they don't usually share because it gives me so much hope. Uh, I know that this is a manual for recovery and that it works. And I know, given my skepticism and resistance and my mind that just would not turn off its thinking function that I uh, it passed my test. Uh, and I believe I don't need to think about it. And, um, you know, in these paragraphs, what was he thinking? Well, when I get into that kind of loop, what was I thinking? I just turn my brain over to my higher power because thinking isn't going to get me out of trouble. Thinking isn't going to help me make money or find a place to live or um, be safe. I have enough knowledge to know how to do that. And I'm just in awe of everything that I never noticed when I was stuffing my feelings and uh, evidence of higher power everywhere. As I was waiting, I was watching two little birds who found a foot in an old holly tree, and it looks like the Riviera of bird nest places. It is protected, and there's light, and there's shelter, and they found it. And that's how I feel about this program and recovery. I found that spot that was open large enough for me to see and there were friends inside, and it was warm and sheltered, and there was enough safety there. And so I recovered it now. I'm so grateful that I can give away what I've been given. And so I'll end with that. And one more thank you to everyone. 
Thank you, Polly B. Deborah P., you're next, and then Stephanie N., I think, is would be following Deborah. Good morning, Deborah. Good morning. Uh, it's great to be here this morning. I love this meeting. I'm kind of a new newcomer still, and um, I love being abstinent. Um, yeah, I definitely agree that the mental state that proceeds to relapse is kind of the crux of the problem. And I I think what I, the light bulb that kind of came on for me, and maybe this is just most people are like, well, yeah, of course, that's the problem, but um, is just the randomness. Like, I try to just do three moderate meals a day, nothing in between. And um, the randomness is what the drink is to the alcoholic, like the alcoholic picking up a drink is the same as my random eating. So like yesterday I went into work and right where I walk into work, they always have this big spread of, you know, donuts or whatever. And I immediately thought, Oh, got to have one of those. And then the minute I, I'm aware of that random thought, I just, I dismiss it as quickly as possible. And I'm aware that that's my picking up a drink kind of thing. So, um, so for whatever reason, I'm somehow able to recognize that where I never recognized it before. And um, I'm so far able to just say, okay, no, that's the random thought. I have to let it go. And I have to plan my meals. And if there's some maybe some type of food that I'm thinking, okay, well, I want to have this type of food, I have to wait until the following day um, to, you know, to, to have it. And so the random thinking is just, I mean, sometimes it's like shopping. Sometimes it's other things. I just notice that my mind just has that, got to have this, got to have it now. And um, and that's what I'm trying to dismiss. And I'm sure there are other mental things underneath, you know, things like insecurity or things like I'm not liking myself or, you know, whatever. But um, I think if I can ha- deal with that random thought, um, it really helps me a lot. So thank you very much, and um, have a great day. I'll pass. Thank you, Deborah P. Stephanie N., you would be next, and then Jen A., you'll follow Stephanie. Thank you, Melanie. Uh, This is Stephanie N., recovered in Kansas. Um, The line that stuck out to me was, what was he thinking? Of what was he thinking? And I realized um, early on that I couldn't trust my thinking, And so every morning I have these index cards and I had all kinds of things written on them, but one of them said, is there ever a good time to start? Why not now? And then another one said, "Um, are you willing to be set free? And um, um, I had, (laughs) I had one with myself like trapped in a little prison and just, and it reminded me like, I don't want to stay in that prison. Um, But I also, you know, while I was working the steps, because this is when I was in one, two, and three, and, you know, four through nine, I looked at those cards every day because I couldn't trust my thinking. And so that kept me in the thinking of, um, you know, I I need to be set free. I can't stay here. And I I couldn't trust my own thinking. But I also listened to Vision for You every chance I got, listened to or read the big book every day um, because I really needed my mind to be reprogrammed I couldn't trust my thinking and um and so that's what I did and it really worked it kept me 
and kept my checking or my my checking and think my thinking in check um, until I had my spiritual awakening and you know until I had worked through the steps and then now that I'm in ten eleven and twelve um, you know that is how my brain has been reprogrammed that when I'm in self pity I think oh I can't stay here you know those thoughts come automatically now that I have a new way of thinking a new way of of um, acting on life rather than reacting to it, like the big book says. And it's just a whole new way of living, but it really it starts in my thinking. You know, whatever's going on in my head, it's going to surface. So I have to make sure that my thoughts are in check and that I'm not believing any of those lies. I can't let the lies come in and get me off track. So anyways, I, with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stephanie and Jen A, you're next, and then Terry C, you'll come up behind um, Jen. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you. This is Jen A, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic from Colorado. Um, thinking, yes, thinking got me here. My thinking is um, just a mess. So it reminds me of uh, this little ca- uh, cartoon character that I know. It's called Winnie the Pooh. And Winnie the Pooh would think, 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 think. Do you remember that? And what would he do? He would stick his hand where? In a honey jar. Mm, sticky situation. And that was me. I would think, 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 and my thinker was broken. And so I'd stick my hand right back into that sticky situation and try something, my solution. Um, and what was, uh, what was the action that preceded the thought? The action was um, the action. Well, what was the thought that preceded the action? Sorry. Um, The action was that or the thought was that something or somebody disturbed me. Right. I was living in fear and shame and guilt. And so my solution was to continue to pick up food. That was the action that I was taking. Um, And uh, it just frustrated me. Like, how do I get off this freaking crazy carousel that keeps spinning faster and faster out of control? And I remember sitting in a meeting. Um, I would go to the 6.30 a.m. meeting, and every morning they would read how it works from the big book on page 59. And it talked about standing at the turning point and asking for his protection um, and care with complete abandon. And I just thought, oh, my God, I finally had to get to a point, right, a turning point, and I had to ask God, right? Help me, God. I need you to protect me, and I will abandon myself completely to you. Um, So through my tears and on my knees, I remember surrender, surrender, surrender. I stepped out in faith. Um, I just, I had to believe in something else because nothing else was working for me. And so God gave me this abundance of grace. And so I continued to trust him once I had surrendered. And then the next thing for me was that action, 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 right? It suggests this in the big book, right? As the program of recovery, the 12 steps, that's what comes next. And um, I just needed to get to God. And so um, working this program of recovery through the 12 steps um, and having a spiritual awakening today, as a result, I can honestly tell you that God has restructured me from the inside out. And that fear and that shame and that guilt, I'm able to deal with that through the process of the 12 steps. 
in this practical program of action. I now have a way to deal with that besides running to the food. So um, thank you, God, and thank you for the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous for um, saving a wreck like me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jen A. Carrie C., you're next. Thank you. Thank you, moderator. I'm really happy to be on this meeting this morning. Thank you for everyone doing the service and for the fellows that have shared so far. Um, I just love the way this part of the book, and I love more about alcoholism, but I love this way this part of the book just tells us that we can't just stop, right? We can't just stop. We can't just deal with the behavior. And it says the experiment of quitting for a period of time will be helpful, but we can offer a greater service by describing some of the mental states. And, um, you know, it's talking about thinking, 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 as so many people have shared. And then soon we'll be on to talk about Jim and about Fred, both who had stopped drinking, both who had a period of sobriety, both who seemed, at least in Fred's case, undisturbed. Jim appeared disturbed. But as one of our fellows shared, it doesn't matter for me if I'm extremely happy or extremely disturbed and overwhelmed. I'm going to eat. And it's my thinking that gets me there. I don't have a spiritual defense. I, I, don't, I, don't, have a, I don't have any defense. I don't have, unless I do this, the steps the way they're outlined in this book. And, um, and I thought myself right to 200 and over 215 pounds and I'm five foot one and a half, not a pleasant place to be. And all I could think was how much I hated myself after that. So with the grace of God in this program today, I understand that my thinking, my thinking will kill me. My thinking will kill me. Just like we'll read about Jim and Fred, they thought suddenly a thought crossed their mind just like has been shared, you know, the crazy thoughts, the crazy thoughts that I can do this, it'll be okay. Um, but I can't do this because it won't be okay. I'll, I'll, I'll die. It's that simple. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Terry C. Time will allow for one person, perhaps two, to share that five minutes. If you'd like to comment on that paragraph on page 34 and top of 35. Anyone like to comment on the paragraph? This is Reggie. Oh, hi, Reggie. Hi. Let's go with you then. Good morning. Okay. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service, Melanie. And uh, mm-hmm. this is Reggie O, gratefully recovered in the Los Angeles area. And boy, what a what a paragraph. And always, you know, it's always like reading it today in a vision for you and listening to people share. It's like what a paragraph. It just, it just so lights up. Um, let me just so I just flip the page, but the desperate experience experiment of the first drink, and what are some of the uh, what are some of the what are some of the thoughts that lead us into that or the impulses? So I was sitting here listening to people, and I just started making a list again, which I realized is like a really good thing to do in step one. And um, so the one of the big things for me is the and somebody mentioned this word, I don't often hear it before, but certainly the sensations I feel in my body. You know, it's like this, I guess, the life force moving through me. Those sensations used to uh, 
trigger me. And, and you know, sensation is the other side of emo- is, is, is an expression of emotion, a felt sense of emotion. So we, uh, as, as addicted people, have, have, you know, trouble with emotion. So the sensations I feel in my body would trigger me and cause me to pop out into my head and uh, food, the food thought would often come in. Um, and then there would be the thought that just came out of nowhere. I could be, I could be anywhere doing anything or not doing anything. And there would be this, this thought to eat that would be a, you know, that would be a, that would be a trigger. And I would either go immediately because it would take me over or I would try to, to, uh, talk with it, you know, <laughs> and when I tried to talk with it, it would always get me. There would be the trigger, you know, I used to go to Redbox in the supermarket and I was going to get a movie to watch at home and I would immediately think of grabbing a bag of popcorn and bringing it home. Uh, the idea that, uh, uh, the idea that, uh, let me see what I have written here. The idea, the idea, like I was talking about before, that, that I battle with on my own that grows into making the decision. And once I've made the decision to go get the food, it's it's almost like a done deal. Um, occasionally I would have, as it talks about in Jim's story next, occasionally I would have a vague sense that this was not a good idea, but it was way too vague and fleeting to grab hold of. And the, the you know, the impulse to eat was far greater, the thought to eat was far greater. And plus I probably wanted to eat anyway or really wanted to, so I wouldn't listen. And uh, that pe- people talked about, I can so relate those phrases, semi-conscious, like a trance, I'm no longer in my body. It's like I'm, met, you know, and when I get that thought that takes me, it has taken me over, I become mesmerized by the thought of food. It's like there's nothing else. So I could go on and on and on, but it just, you know, it helps me to realize that, you know, this is the mental obsession and to even start to get clear about what the mental obsession is. And the first step, I have to have my, my food put down. And thank you for the person who shared, you know, whatever food, problematic food I leave on the table becomes the first option that I go to in situations like this. So it's just, you know, that, and thank you, that entire abstinence before the mental states is really important. So thank you so much. Appreciate that, Reggie. And with Reggie share, that will end the recorded portion of our meeting as we close out here. Stick around because we're going to an after, after the serenity prayer, give an invitation to newcomers, an invitation to available sponsors, and then we have some announcements um, for things that are going on here live and happy at a vision for you. So what I would like to do is thank everyone for sharing, and we're going to close this portion by reading page 164 in the big book, and then we'll follow that with a serenity prayer. Kathy Jo, would you please read page 164 for us? Yep, hello, Kathy Jo P., a recovered compulsive overeater in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who still is sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. 
May God bless you and keep you until then.